The Antifada is more than a podcast. It's a specter haunting the globe. It is the synthesis of the two most frightening things for the cheerleaders of this reactionary hellwood. One ravaged by the unbounded savagery of capital and its states. Antifa super soldiers and intifada. Bash the fashion of global uprising. Be prepared to enter the Antifada mindset. I'm Jamie Peck. And I'm Sean Jamie. I'm AP Andy. And we are broadcasting not live from Antifada headquarters, just steps away from the pollution-ravaged Newtown Creek in the hipster elite bubble of America, Bushwick, Brooklyn, USA. That's correct. And we're doing something a little new this time. And we are not recording in studio. We're recording in our apartment on our futon. Andy's on our couch. Our cats are yeah. here. We've been evicted by our dad. Uh, now we had to get our own place. It's uh, kind of a dump, but uh, you know what? We're trying it out. I thought Dad was going to let us stay there forever. I feel like it's our God-given American right to uh, stay with our parents as long as we can. I know, right? What, what are they going to do, evict us? Yeah, like, I didn't ask to be brought into this world, Dad. Now, like, I got to fucking, what, get a job? Get a couch? Get my own couch? I don't know. Yeah, I think that it really points to the systemic cruelty of this world that we live in. Uh, millions of empty basements and, you know, people who could be filling them. Yeah, that's, that's capitalism for you. So um, I wanted to start out with a little bit of news before we get into the meat of this episode. It may or may not surprise you to learn that there have been some protests in France these past few days. Is that right? Protests in France. Sacre bleu. Mon dieu. And these protests in particular are against austerity and against... Uh, our, our, our hot friend Emmanuel Macron's attacks on unions and the public sector. Is he related to Emmanuel Macron? Shut up. I don't know how to pronounce that <laughs> word either. <laughs> yeah, an interesting, I didn't think so. Uh, an interesting question is, we've got this um, hot, thought neoliberal up in Canada, and then we've got this eye-banking neoliberal over in France, who's also, I think, relatively attractive. How do we rate our class enemies in terms of hot or not? Do you think Trudeau's... Better looking than Macron? Macron? You know, or, uh, well, Trudeau's got the Castro genes. Macron just kind of looks like Sarkozy's son. <laughs> this is a question I have pondered a lot since somebody called into the Majority Report. I think it was the Majority Report and made us do Fuck, Mary Kill with, um, I think it was Obama, Trudeau, and Macron. Oh, that's a tough one. Well, I don't know. I mean, obviously you marry Obama. Let's be real. Do you? I mean, he's a good dad. He seems like a good partner. I married Trudeau. All in all, you were married Trudeau. Why? Yeah. Pourquoi? Because he, he's a cock. You can cheat on him. <laughs> mm, is Very he? Good point. Seems like it. Everyone's calling him a cock all the time. I figure there's something to it. His dad was a <laughs> cock with Castro. Runs in the family. What, what is this? What is this story? I don't know this Castro Trudeau story. I know Pierre Trudeau was a. Uh, former prime minister in, what, the 60s and 70s, like the hippie prime minister up there? Well, I've done a lot of research by uh, Google image searching Castro <laughs> Trudeau, and people put, like, young Castro side by side with Trudeau, and also throw in the image of his father at Trudeau's age, and, uh, you know, I'm not a mathematician, but it adds up. Interesting. Well, maybe we just got our show art for this mm. week. People can decide for themselves. Yeah, I, I kind of want to know more about this. 
I was not expecting us to go off in this direction. My main dilemma in this game was whether to fuck Trudeau and kill Macron or vice versa. And I have previously objectified Macron uh, on occasion. Macron or Trudeau? Uh, both. Oh, okay. Both. Uh, let, let's be real. I, I got eyes. I got yeah, eyes in my head. Uh, just because someone's a neoliberal piece of shit doesn't mean they can't also be attractive and have hateful sex with communists. But by the same token, though, I mean, Obama's no slouch either. He's not a bad-looking guy. He's the guy you marry. Uh, we so, ha- we might have sex like from time to time, okay, yeah. but like, no, and and like I don't want to kill our first black president, you know. As many uh, you don't want to kill Bill Clinton. As many, yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah. As, as many disagreements as I may have with him, you know, he's great <laughs> on the sex. So, yeah, I don't know. I think I think Macron just seems like a bigger prick. So I he might like kill prick, yeah. him, and then Trudeau just seems like. Kind of a cute, kind of bay, uh, decadent, second-generation political dynasty child. I don't know. Well, if we can just go... My type is what I'm trying to say. He's that, totally my type. That's fair. If we can just go ahead and say that Obama you're going to marry because he's decent and he's not really that fuckable to you and you don't want to kill our second black president, I get that. <laughs> what I... You know, the way I see the Macron versus Trudeau thing is that you know, the new Trudeau, the younger Trudeau, is just the scion of a political dynasty. And, you know, his father probably did some horrible things. His father probably did some decent things. Who knows? I don't know enough about Canada to know. Whereas I believe Emmanuel Macron was an investment banker. Is that correct? Oui. Oui. Okay. So in which case, he, instead of just falling dick first into, like, the premiership, because yeah. he, like, had a father who did it and he's relatively good looking and empty inside his brain parts um macron you know built his entire life on bilking people out of shit and being a fucking bourgeois pig so i say kill the fuck out of him that's fair um so that sort of brings me to the story that i was trying to talk about the time you fucked trudeau (laughs) Mm, that's uh patrons only content right there uh no um people have been protesting i i want to read off uh Telesu.tv.net. I like how you said Telesur, like with a French accent, even though Telesu. I, I, I believe it's Venezuela. Yeah. slash English. Oui, oui, c'est ça. Um, and yeah, people have been marching um, to protest the uh, quote unquote reforms that Macron is bringing to France. Um, and he's just like, yo, I don't give a shit. You can march all you want. This is happening. Listen to this shit. Macron says his economic changes are meant to increase France's global competitiveness, adding that the protests will not block the country. No disorder will stop me, and calm will return, he says. Yeah, French Interior Minister Gerard Coulomb accused the protesters, and by extension the unions, of passive complicity with people who have smashed shops and banks and set fire to cars during demonstrations. Boo fucking hell. What is astonishing is that the black blocs can do what they are doing in the middle of a crowd that, at the end of the day does nothing. If we want to have the right to demonstrate, those taking part must oppose those smashing things up and not, by their passiveness, be accomplices to what is happening from a certain point of view. So his strategy is to say, to blame the black bloc for causing disorder, but also saying no amount of disorder is going to dissuade me. So 
what, what's his point? Like, he's just challenging people to smash more stuff, basically. Pretty much, yeah. And it's 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 funny, you know, I, I'm sure that over the years there have always been these, uh, you know, ministers or public officials in France who have said, oh, no, no, it's so bad for you French people to go out in the street and blockade and set tires on fire. But it's happened over and fucking over again. Like, of all the places in the fucking world, France does have this relatively continuous 200-and-something-year history of, like, fucking shit up. Uh, you know, from the French Revolution and the guillotine, the good old Great Terror, you know, chop some fucking Aristos' heads off and all that good stuff, all the way through the 19th century, the fucking Paris Commune, all the way through, you know, massive labor struggles, massive riots in, you know, the 19th and 20th century. God damn it, it's the fucking 50th anniversary of May 68, when students and workers, in the midst of a tremendous and violent struggle that makes this look like fucking cotton candy, managed to fucking have such a giant general strike that Charles de Gaulle, the fucking, you know, uh, resistance leader, this right-wing figure, was forced to leave the fucking country because they thought the whole thing was going fucking down. That was 50 years ago. So this idea that, oh my God, there's, you know, 140,000 public sector workers in France and they're striking, and there's people smashing shit. Like, this is something fucking new in France. No, like, this is no, the norm in France. They, it's, I, I'm not trying to, like, glorify it, because neoliberalism is steadily chopping away at France, as it has all across the world, right? But the French do have a long tradition and culture of direct action, of striking, of class struggle. So uh, Macron might actually pull this off, but I'm not fucking surprised that people are out on the streets and people are striking. Well, just to give you a little perspective on um, this as the norm, uh, Benoit Hamon, who was a former presidential candidate Benny Ham. from the, uh, <laughs> the Socialist Party, the, uh, yeah, Den ben you call him Benny Ham? Uh, is that a thing? I guess that's not Hamon, though. Spanish word. I think, no. <laughs> I think it's uh, John Ham's uncle, I believe. Oh, yeah. Well, anyway. Does he have a nice jawline this time? Probably just is John. Oh, that you would be sick. He always shows up. Yeah. yeah. With his giant cock. That, yes, he showed up with his giant cock, and he said, it's for, the, it, it's for the police to protect the demonstrations instead of making us responsible for the behavior of an ultra-violent few. So, and this, is, this guy was, like, pretty mainstream, you know? The Socialist Party in France, as I understand it, is more of, like, a center-left party in terms of European politics. Oh yeah, they're garbage. So it's like this garbage. is somebody from the garbage garbage center left party saying like, hey, lay off man. This is this is just how we do in France. Meanwhile Melanchon is out there throwing Molotov cocktails, I oh, imagine. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. saw that footage on that man. Yeah the slingshot. It looked like fucking Gaza man. Ha, yeah. Melanchon don't give a fuck. Can we can we put in some sound from France? Protesters pelted police with bottles and other objects as the authorities fire off tear gas, making multiple arrests. Thousands of train drivers, teachers, nurses, air traffic controllers and other public sector staff have gone on strike across France and begun street protests against President Macron's latest reform drive. Unions accuse Macron of seeking to dismantle France's large state sector which employs over 5 million people. See, I see pictures, yeah. I see pictures of fire happening. Let's, let's wait, wait, I want to read what, what, what Mellon Cohn said. He said, In the name of the poor, the humiliated, the homeless, and the jobless, we are telling you, enough, enough of this world.
And that's what this world. This fucking Kamat over here, <laughs> fucking Jacques Kamat, this world we must leave. Wow. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm impressed. Um, he's got the tarmac though. <laughs> he's gonna start putting like uh, metal wires over like uh, uh, railroad cables or something like that, and uh, end up in the crate. He's gonna write uh, an invisible committee too. We gotta get Julian Foupat the show. <laughs> yeah, we do. So I think the real context of, of this, when you when you hear Melancon, um, you know, responding to this, is that you know he was the kind of stalking uh, horse in this race, uh, their last big parliamentary battle, which was what a uh, year ago, year and a half ago. Um, it was conceivable for a little bit that uh, Melancon, who I believe his left party is called what uh, France Insume, uh, like France uh, in rising. It's like. It's, France not on its knees or yeah. something like that. Something. France unbowed. France uncocked. His France uncocked party was a um, kind of this repudiation of how horrific the Socialist Party of France has become since they were always a horrific party anyways. Uh, and since the Communist Party, which was huge and influential in France uh, up until you know, 25, 30 years ago, has pretty much completely collapsed. Um, you know, this it was this real resurgence uh, within France of what was traditionally a very large wing of their politics, which was the radical left. And um, when Melanchthon fails to make it into the runoff, right? Very it, narrowly. Very narrowly, yeah. Um, again, this was never supposed to happen, right? You're never supposed to have this kind of politic, politics return in the world, even in a place like France, according to, you know, our pundits and the media class, right? But um, what happens, of course, is that Melanchthon does not get into the runoff, uh, and it is a choice for the French people. You've got a choice. You've got Marine Le Pen, who is, a, is it fair to say, fascist? Fascist yeah, adjacent? She's, she's pretty fascist. Yeah, well, she's definitely more on the Bannon right populist tip these days, but, I mean... Her party was the Nazi party. Her, yeah, her father was a straight-up oh, right. fascist. So she's a fascist. She kicked out her dad for, like, continuing to be anti-Semitic. Yeah. Um, and they... But, like, a, like with all those parties, a ton of the highest-ranked people are just Nazis that wear suits. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, like Jobbik like, in Hungary and... Uh, yeah, no, we hate Les Arabes now. The Jews are okay, only not really, but we're going to say they are. Well, yeah, so what you had with, with uh, Le Pen and the National Front... Their roots are in, essentially, fascism, neo-Nazism, uh, but they've cleaned up their image, and they now um, have hatred towards immigrants as a big part of their platform, but also, at the same time, they defend the French welfare state from a nationalist, anti-EU perspective. So if you're like the average non-Arab or non-minority um, French voter, when you listen to Le Pen and all of the people on the National Front talk, they're very much talking about keeping these labor protections, keeping these um, social benefits that everybody fought for and died for, and they still have to an extent in France, but yeah. only for the right people. And unlike Trump, they actually mean it. And they, I think they do actually mean it. They want a heron-voked social democracy just for, like, native-born white French people. At the same time, these populist parties are doing really well in Europe regardless of if they have, uh, like, a vaguely socialist agenda, like... Liga Nord uh, just did really well in Italy, and right. they're just they're, they combine right populism with neoliberalism. God, the, the AFD does Where's well. Where's the both worlds? Yeah, but they still do super well just with like the xenophobia mm. agenda. Mm. 
Well, so so I guess National Front then, you know, all these right populist uh, parties, I guess it, it, it's, it's specific to like the politics of that particular country. But we can generalize and say that there is a right populist surge. National Front is part of that. And National Front, besides Melanchthon, was the main uh, party out there, the, the main people talking about holding on to the legacy of, you know, basically heroic French struggles of the working class from a racist perspective. Now, so who makes it in to uh, go up against Le Pen? It wasn't Melanchthon from a left uh, populist perspective, right? Trying to keep these benefits, but for all of the working class, trying to revive, you know, the left wing of capital within France, for better or for worse. And he had, like, a certain internationalism to his foreign policy, no? Sure, like like Mitterrand had beforehand, and we saw where that got him. But the point is, is that uh, Macron comes in again as an insurgent, creating his own party. So French people were forced to choose between right populist, quasi-fascist, um, economic populists, right, and a fucking investment banker, um, cozy with the fucking Davos elite, smarmy piece of shit. The quote Davos unquote. elite. The Davos elite. Wow. Was that, that was, was that structurally anti-Semitic that I just said? I don't know. I was just thinking of... I, I'll I, allow it. I was just thinking about how I've only skied once and it wasn't in Davos. I, I want to ski someday. Oh, yeah? We're also noted in right now. Oh, we didn't do any cooking. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, so, you had a, so you had a choice between a neoliberal piece of shit and a uh, racist piece of yeah, shit. Yeah, and like even more explicit, I mean, I guess it's... It explicit. shows the hollowing out of I guess it's explicit everywhere uh, to pair, which is like a leftist worst fucking nightmare, right? There's these, these uh, what passes for the left to most people is these smarmy neoliberal politicians who pair uh, their sort of neutered version of identity politics uh, as divorced from class, as divorced from their radical roots, as divorced from anything real, really. They pair that. Um, it, it's almost become this like sort of bourgeois morality more so than anything really standing up for the marginalized. They pair that with this uh, shitty neoliberalism and they tell people like, hey, you know, it's a, it's a zero-sum game. Uh, hey, white white folks, you're just gonna have to accept less because uh, other people have made gains, and that's how it's gonna be. It's a shrinking pie. You just have you just get a smaller piece, and you just have to deal with it. Otherwise, you're a bigoted piece of shit. Right. It it it's a shrinking pie for the you know bottom eighty percent of the population that's not either a capitalist themselves or in the higher strata of the professional managerial class. Oh, and I should also say, P.S., like, Macron's version of identity politics is uh, probably even worse than the uh, Democratic Party in America because he definitely does not extend it to Muslims. Oh, he doesn't like Les Arabes? Like, he wants, I mean, he, he says that he does, but he also wants to, like, be able to close mosques that are suspected of, like, terrorist activity and stuff like that, so... Maybe not so woke after all. Well, of course not. I mean, their their wokeness is not predicated on, say, the dismantling of the sort of imperial system we have that causes the places that these migrants come from to be complete fucking shitholes. Uh, it does not propose that, say, there be even like a, a reform like a guaranteed jobs program or universal basis, basic income, things that I think have 
you know, are insufficient, but perhaps, you know, would be helpful to, uh, and helpful for both, you know, white French people and les Arabes as well. Um, they're not proposing these sorts of things. They're proposing, you know, what we saw with um, past U.S. politicians, this sort of veneer of wokeness over the same shitty neoliberal, technocratic, reform, streamlining, uh, you know, bullshit politics that, that's been around for 30 fucking years. And Yep, and then people have to make a choice, like, oh, it's all about democracy, you know, vote for your choice, vote for what you want. But what kind of fucking choice is that? You have a Nazi lady, on the one hand, who's, like, legitimately terrifying with ties to Vichy France that people still remember how... Which I heard is a very nice spa town, actually. Yeah, yeah. People still remember how fucking awful that was. And then the other choice is this, like, neoliberal piece of shit who's gonna take your union job away. So, like, hmm, maybe voting isn't as helpful as we thought. Also, uh, Melenchon is, speaking personally, he's not my kind of socialist. He's kind of of the Chavismo current. And... Mm. Is he, would you say he's got kind of like a vulgar anti-imperialism sort of uh, vibe about him? Or you're saying that he wants to become a strongman? I don't remember exactly. I just know uh, when I was reading about the elections, I, I wasn't too interested in him. I mostly liked there was a candidate who just likes to walk around in the mountains. And he, he walked from uh, the, the Pyrenees to Paris, and he, was, he just ran on the strength of being a mountain man. Wow. What? And uh, I, I, he has my vote. Wow. He's the, the mountains are too damn high uh, candidate. <laughs> damn. So speaking of neoliberal shitheads, uh, everyone's been talking about this new piece by Jonathan Chait in New York Magazine, uh, yeah, friend of the show. Just kidding. He's a piece of shit. Uh, but he has recently written another long, poorly argued screed against the left. Um, he does a little red baiting. It's got, like, all the high points. Total radical center bingo. Um, and I know you have some thoughts on that. Do you want to yeah, you sure. wanna, you wanna catch what I'm throwing down, babe? Well, it's a couple weeks old, but I think it's very relevant when we're talking about this shit happening with uh, Macron in France. It's uh, why Trump's assault on democracy doesn't bother the radical left. Mm. This is from uh, New York Magazine. Doesn't bother me at all. I fucking, nothing but respect for my president. Chait, essentially what he's arguing is, he's kind of rebranding the quote-unquote hashtag resistance, which so many people have dragged on in so many good ways. I'm not sure we need to repeat it, um, you know, but essentially it's about, you know, the, I guess, more moderate Republicans and then the Democrats coming together in order to fight, you know, this horror person that is Trump uh, for respectable politics and return to norms and all that good, yeah, happy they horseshit. hate Trump for all the wrong reasons. And some of the right ones. But I think that what inter inter what's interesting about Chait is that he's trying to rebrand it as something called the democracy movement. Mm. You know, these are people that sincerely think that they are... Um, fighting this rearguard action on behalf of the American people today and in the, in the future in order to essentially stop a real threat and present danger named Donald Trump and his minions from destroying the best uh, political system that has ever existed in the history of the world and exists right here in these United States. And they sincerely think that the only way to defeat Trumpism is to bring politics back to some level of normalcy. 
right? They're talking about norm erosion. This is their big thing. Now, why Chait and others uh, need to make this move in order to attack the radical left? And by that, they, they really mean, in a sense, the, the Bernie crap folks, right? Yeah, they really, I mean... I guess these people don't really need an excuse to red bait, but uh, he name you know, checks Marxists. A- apologies to the Bernie left if we've created any confusion as to uh, who's a Marxist and who's not. Well, he basically sets it up so that there are liberals who apparently are very hard-headed about understanding that the Constitution is a wonderful and high-minded document that we didn't always live up to, you know, even though the three-fifths clause was in the Constitution, but. Anyways, um, you know, there are these liberals who say, well, the United States isn't perfect, right? But there is this, as they call in history, Whiggish sense that things get better over time and that all it takes are the correct policies, you know, the right leaders in order to perfect this perfect union. But then on the other hand, there's the bad guys and girls. Yeah, there's the naughty... ones that, oh God, he has that picture in the middle of his article that was supposed to be like, these are the bad people. Uh, it was the, the Party for Socialism and Liberation. They had a big sign that said, um, Trump is the symptom, capitalism is the disease, co- disease and... Socialism is the cure. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, what's your point? There's also a little, Story checks out. A, a wobbly sign uh, randomly in the back that just said strike on it. I don't know what they were striking for in that picture, but Jay Pye doesn't like strikes either. No. Sorry, I totally interrupted you. What what were you going to say about his uh, no, it's, it's fine. characterization of the... Marxist Bernie left what he essentially what he wants to argue is that the Bernie Marxist left um, should not even have a seat at the table because they don't believe that there is any threat of Trump I'm sorry that has to say they don't believe that Trump is a threat right they think that the whole system is rotten they don't believe that the Constitution is a wonderful uh, document of liberation that can be perfected moving forward. They think the whole thing stinks. Well, like, he we can't even. He says we can't even deal with these people because they are not operating on the same plane, and they essentially are accelerationists because they think that Trump is going to bring about the wonderful socialist horizon that all these did Marxists. He say that? Yeah, he really did oh say that at the end of the article. Wow. He's not. He's not super off base. I mean. Like, I, I don't believe in the worse the better logic, but a lot of leftists do. And I definitely don't think that the Jonathan Chait party has can work with the radical left. I think they're oppositional. And if he's just pointing that out and saying, don't work with them because the Constitution and democracy is so good, well, he's in the minority of the country that um, doesn't... The minor- I mean, the majority of the country does not respect Congress or the Senate, doesn't no. have much faith in democracy. The extent that they like the Constitution has to do with some sort of ideology that has nothing to do with what the Constitution actually says. You know, they they love the Second Amendment, they love free speech, but they don't really understand, like, the ins and outs of what what that has meant in terms of case law or... And then those are basically the only two amendments that anyone gives a shit about. Uh, You know, I I don't think that there's any... I mean, the Federalist Society has these strict interpretationists who have, like, deep contempt for parts of the Constitution... So the Constitution is like completely meaningless as something to appeal to, um, except for some very small wonky like Beltway pundit class or some suburban voters who are relatively highly educated, right? The the sense that that you know we need to bring back things back to moderation, 
where people could work together, where we had civil discourse and discussion. Like that's the kind of driving, you know, argument behind it is that yeah, you need before to bring... all the problems started back before twenty sixteen when everything was fine for everyone. Right. I mean, he really conflates the far left, like us people, with uh, people who are pretty much just Democrats, like Bernie Sanders. He's like a New Deal social democrat, liberal democrat. Like, well, I guess he's not he's not even a democrat, but he would have been <laughs> back in the day. He used to did. And like they would have kicked him out of the original socialist party probably. You know, Eugene Debs socialist party. Yeah, probably. And like or, as, uh, right as much as I would like to think that uh, everyone who voted for Bernie Sanders shares our radical Marxist views, like, there's just no evidence whatsoever for that. People live under this illusion that just because the United States is the oldest constitutional government in history, which is true, that um, it will survive forever. We've seen democracies fall apart in the past. And I'm not saying, I'm not an accelerationist, I'm not saying this is good or bad, and I'm not even being a d determinist and saying this is definitely going to happen. But if you look at American history and world history, the representative form of government that we have with norms and law and order and all that good stuff is has been contingent upon there being a material base you know this sense of that there's an american dream uh growing not only profit rates but also increasing rates of home ownership uh wages rising with uh productivity all that good stuff and then of course to uh american global hegemony on top of that I think that as you see the pillars of what holds up American democracy start to crumble, and I think now we're seeing them fall apart in the sense, uh, it's not wrong to look at American democracy as something that is contingent, but not because the Marxists say it is, but because the material basis for it is a social system called capitalism that is breaking down across the world. Well, I would agree with you to some degree, um, but I would also say that America hasn't been a democracy for quite some time. Like, the left is actually pretty, very concerned with democracy, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, we want to democratize the economy, and we want to democratize all sorts of things. Uh, we just don't think that the problem started in 2016, when some funky stuff went down with Russia, and there's plenty of data to back this up. Like, um, there's a study that came out in 2014 uh, from professors from Princeton and Northwestern University. Double threat. So not just some crazy randos saying this stuff. Um, and I'm going to quote from them now. Multivariate analysis indicates that economic Ooh, elite... turning me on. Keep saying multivariate. <laughs> multivariate. Analysis. Many variants at the same time. <laughs> Damn, it's like, mm -hmm. like a spit roast. Like a <laughs> fucking variant gangbang. Two variants high-fiving. <laughs> I'd get on the variant bus. In, in, in these variants, they indicate, they don't just spit roast you, they indicate <laughs> that economic elites and organized groups representing business interests have substantial independent impacts on U.S. government policy while average citizens and mass-based interest groups have little or no independent influence. So, I don't know how that tracks with what Jonathan Chait's saying, but... It seems like what the, the debate that he's really getting into is, is how does liberal democracy turn to dictatorship? 
like it, you sure. know, like for example, it did uh, in in the interwar period and uh, Italy, Spain, Germany, etc. Um, and this is the debate of whether it happens because of a reaction to communism and and the communists are to blame for being so radical and causing the reaction, or is it because liberal democracy has no organizational ideology or ethos and through its weakness it collapses and uh, the bourgeois are forced to install a dictatorship to defend themselves. Uh, I tend to believe in the latter. Uh, uh, obviously, Jonathan Chait might point to, you know, the, the Spartacist uprising in Germany as the precondition for, for the, the Nazis taking power. Pretty but, sure he doesn't know what that is. But, yeah. but you yeah. can't, you can't uh, say that now about the United States. No. You, can't blame, <laughs> yeah. you no. can't blame the communist movement for putting Trump into power. You can only nope. blame centrist Democrats. Hey, a That's lot fair. of communists voted for Jill Stein. <laughs> We're, look what that got you. Okay. That look at your Green New Deal. People yeah. really well, believe I, that I, I've seen on Twitter as recently as today. But people do make that argument. I mean, that's sort of like the basis of Nagel's Kill All Normies. Uh, so, I mean, that's a big part of her argument. Very um, silly. Well, people say that Black Lives Matter went too far and right, freaked yeah. out white people. But, but it's like... These people, you know, these movements don't have, they're not about to seize power in right. any way. No. You, you can't blame them for Trump. Yeah, that's that's totally true. Like in the in the teens, you know, in the early 20s and the 1930s, when classical fascism did arise, it was an open question because there were real vital and powerful revolutionary movements all throughout Europe and even in places like China. You know, it was a real question about whether capitalism would survive a basic basically a leftist overthrow of its social system and governments. But yeah, Andy's 100% correct. Like, nowadays, I think, you know, of these two sort of um, arguments you made, right, whether it's a reaction to leftism or whether there's something, let's say, internal contradictions to this representative democratic form that can lead to its own uh, endogenous, is that fair, self-destruction, I think that latter argument makes a lot more sense in, under these conditions. And no amount of beating your chest over norms and decency and law and order. And, well, Obama, you know, he, he kept with the old tradition of keeping your FBI director for a full 10-year term, even though he didn't have to do it. But he never would have thought to do otherwise because he believed in norms. Like, that as an argument for keeping liberal democracy around or as something to rally people behind. Literally such nobody weak cares. Nobody gives a nobody fuck. Nobody but Jonathan Chase. Except us to make and fun of him for I'm it. I'm not even sure that he cared. Like, this is a point that Sam made on the show the other day. Like, if he's really that committed to norms, uh, he should want, like, he should want whoever is in power after this, if the Democrats take back the House, he should want them to approve Trump's appointees, because that's how government functions. Right. Like, is this really about protecting norms? I mean, maybe, but I think it's more about ideology, and he's going to make whichever argument reinforces his uh, very economically conservative ideology. Sure. Kill all norms. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Kill all norms. Holy shit. Title of this episode, got question it, mark. Got it. There's also a study that recently came out. I read about it in the New York Times, of all places. The paper of record. That uh, found the only political group that hates democracy more than the far right. Is the Marxist. Or as much as the far right. The Marxist. Is 
centrist like Jonathan Chay. What? And like even I was a little bit surprised when I heard that. Although I guess not really. I I, I guess I thought that the far right really uh, hated democracy the most, and then uh, obviously we also hate it the most on the radical left. And then I don't but, know. But they they hate it because they think that like everyone in the center of the country is just a racist hick who's threatening their urban supremacy. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's paraphrasing a bit, but, uh... It's this old fear that goes back to... <laughs> Probably. Back to that hallowed document, the Constitution, about mob rule, right? Mm-hmm. These are the Hamiltonians of the bunch. Yeah, which makes sense that they like that show so much that I've heard so much about, right? I actually had no idea, uh, until re I read that article in The Baffler that Hamilton was actually kind of a fascist. Alexander Hamilton, total fucking scumbag. Who knew? Who knew? Uh, a person of color cannot be a fascist. <laughs> <laughs> They're the least likely to support free and fair elections. Oh, I was tie it back to my they family. are the most skeptical of democracy. They are the least likely to support liberal institutions, even their beloved liberal institutions. They are most supportive of authoritarianism, except for the far right. Looking at some graphs right now. The centuries don't sound so bad after all. Our kind of people. And uh, yeah, we're they they looked at a lot of different countries, including America. Um, but it says here in the United States, centrist support for a strong man type leader far surpasses that of the right and the left. So fascinating. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, Peter Dow. I think Andy, we're gonna have to end this show with California Uber Alice. Just has to be done. The Dead Kennedys. Which version? Well, the original, of course. Okay. Unless you have a uh, the Nouvelle Vogue one. Is that what you were? Gonna Wait. Go? Well, he had a he, he had a version that was against Jerry Brown, and then he became more of a lib later in life. And oh, he's like, ah, okay. oh, it can't be mean to Jerry Brown. Jerry Brown's what? trying his best. Oh. And then, so then he changed it to be about Ronald Reagan. Oh, oh fuck man. that shit. No, I don't even know about that. Fuck you, Jerry Brown. fucking lib now. You fucking piece of shit. You he's and Henry. Fine, you I and guess. Henry Rollins. You guys both talk way too much. Just shut the fuck up. And Morrissey. Go off in a hole and fucking die somewhere. The last good thing you did was like 30 fucking years ago. You don't know anything right, about don't... politics. Wow. You're a fucking piece of shit. Fuck you, Morrissey. I said it. Okay. Don't compare Morrissey to my boy, Jello. Right. Oh, now we uh, like Jello. Right. Jello's a sweet man who <laughs> loves to talk about voting for an hour and a half. Yeah, well, Jamie's met Jello the offer. We haven't, so maybe she could wait on that on another show. I was on a cruise with him. I hear he's a sweet man. Is that true? Yeah, there you go. I feel like he'd be always talking like this when you're there. He seemed nice. Yeah. A little flirty. Oh, wow, really? You got hit on by Joel the Opera? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. You know, I know the captain of this ship. <laughs> <laughs> he, Maybe uh... he can let us use the steering wheel. <laughs> oh, my God. And the steam room. He read, he read some uh, spoken word uh, at the Bruce Cruise, and it was uh, it was neat. I was like, oh, cool, it's Joel the Opera, but completely... Completely upstaged on that particular day by none other than Ian Spinonius. Hell yeah. Friend of the show. Way better. Actual fucking leftist. Good guy. Great music. And Nation of Ulysses wasn't even that much fucking later than Dead Kennedys. And let me be clear. Fucking Bedtime for Democracy. Dead Kennedys. Fresh Fruit for Ronnie Vegetables. Like when Dead Kennedys were good, they were fucking good. That was one of my fucking favorite bands of all time. But... Jill will be off for a turn into kind of a flaky fucking... You yeah, know, the song against riots. Band. Yeah, fuck that shit, too. I, I respect Ian Mackay more going against moshing than I respect fucking Jell will be off for going against riots. Fuck that. Uh. Ian Spinonius. <laughs> no, Ian Mackay? 
Every, I mean, every That's hardcore, a hard block on that shit. There's no hardcore band at that time that was right on. Like, they all had, That's fair. like, That's one totally racist fair. song, basically. Yeah. Guilty of being white by Minor Threat. Dead like, Kennedy's actually, they came the closest to not being racist, but they they still had some problems. Really? I feel like they probably had some hipster ironic racism, you know, Like, what did, what did they, I'm not that familiar with them. Well, the, the song Against Riots was, I think, basically mm. racist. It's, it's, it's like, don't burn down your own neighborhood type bullshit. Ooh. Yeah, no. What, how did we get all the way from Macron to Jello Biafra? I, I don't know how it happened, but uh, I'm glad it did. Magical I, things happen when you're all extremely tired. Seriously. Um, yeah, the, um, I, I think there's a way to actually you know, tie this back to what, what's happening in France, which is that the only politics left standing, again, is this semi-woke, or at least performatively woke, um, technocratic, um, uh, I would say the term globalist, but that has a lot of ulti- also yeah, you know, triple parentheses. What is going on with you? <laughs> when I get really tired, I, I get, when, when I get tired, I get anti-Semitic. It's no, like when kidding. Roseanne takes Ambien, she gets racist. <laughs> right, exactly. It's kind of like when dad's staying up past seven o'clock. You wake up at 4 a.m. and do heavy construction, okay? For eight hours, it's not easy. Sometimes you just get a little anti-Jewy towards the end of the day. Wow, I'm never going to make you stay up <laughs> later than you want to ever no, again. No, this is all a joke. What I meant by that is um, in terms of, like, uh, you know, this free trade, you know, neoliberal, um, you know, performatively woke politics of Macron and Jonathan Chait is really the only thing left standing against uh, xenophobic, uh, nationalistic right populism. And as I think we would all agree, Chait and companies stand no fucking chance against the barbarians at the gate. And if there's not some sort of left alternative, I'm not sure it'll come electorally per se. It might come from labor struggles. It might come from grassroots struggles, hopefully somewhere at some time. If that doesn't come along, Chait and company aren't going to beat fucking Le Pen. No, I mean... Okay, Macron did beat Le Pen, but like I said in my article... To what end? Like I said in my article for Paste Magazine... To recreate everything, to recreate... I'm sorry, to deepen the conditions that led people to vote for Le Pen in the fucking first place. Well, that's what I was about to say before you uh, mansplained my article back to me, but that's okay. You're really really smart, I'm sorry. uh, I know. You can cut that out, and I didn't cut it out. (laughs) No, it's a little little window into our lives together, I suppose. Was that really what you said in the article? It is, yeah. You helped me with it. It was his idea originally. Oh, yeah. It was just a a callback to a different Yeah, like I said in my article, that it took me about 10 months and 100 emails to get paid for. Calling you out, Pace Magazine. I don't give a fuck anymore. Oh, fuck them. Uh, you, you make you make uh, Majority Report money now. You ball it. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, I mean, it's it's certainly better than before. But... Now call Sam Cedar out on the air. No, <laughs> I'm not gonna do that. I'm just kidding. Don't not yet. He'd really have to piss me off for <laughs> if, that to if happen. If I got sleepy enough, I could say some real f- bad things about. Oh no! Hello. Go, go, no, um, go I completely forgot. What no, you're talking about Pace Magazine. You're, um, you're talking about the conditions. Oh yeah, I said that um, beating the populist right with the neoliberal center is not a sustainable plan. Uh, if anything, it's a temporary. Hold temporary, I don't know, tra- temporary damming of the tides of this fascist 
flood that's coming. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, neoliberalism has quite a lot to answer for in terms of uh, the material forces that are feeding these fascist movements around the world. So I really think the only thing that even has a chance of beating it, both electorally and in the streets, is a real internationalist left populism. And I think we're starting to see that a little bit. Yeah, unfortunately, social democracy was also part of what allowed the fascists to take power by uh, being an anti-communist force. But yeah. things might be different this time. Yeah, yeah. Maybe this time it'll work out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is weird because, you know, based on what there's a market for, I kind of have to pretend in a lot of my writing that uh, I have utter faith in social democracy's ability to solve all these problems. I would just like for us to get to the point where the social conditions were ripe enough that we really could be angry at Bernie Sanders for killing Rosa Luxemburg. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. Imagine mm -hmm. Bernie Sanders sicking the, the three percenters on us. <laughs> Bernie Sanders did nothing wrong. I could see it, actually. You'd be like, all those people on the streets who have started this general strike where 50 million workers have downed their tools and then picked them up and communized and restarted production for use instead of profit. The Osprey helicopters are on the way. You've got five minutes before we light you up with 50 cows, motherfuckers. Oh man, I can't wait. And then Baskar tweets, oh, another beautiful speech from the president. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. I think that there's really nowhere we could possibly go from there. No, you don't. Okay. No, I would just say it's a good place to end the show. <laughs> <laughs> Governor Cherry Brown, IRS miles and never crown. Soon I will be president. Got a power will sink away. I will be fearer one day. I will come and all of you. Your kids will meditate. Your kids will meditate. Your eyes can happen